the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We have been talking about the difference between perception and reality. Uh, Ideally, they'd both be the same. If we were a culture that prioritized truth, they would be the same. But we are not a culture that prioritizes truth. There's very little in our culture where you can count on the narrative being truth. Not at the southern border. uh, Not in our withdrawal from Afghanistan. Not with our supposedly always improving economy. Uh, not with our supposedly ever-escalating wages. Nothing is really true. It's all where you fall on the continuum of reality and perception. Uh, The President Joe Biden is in Ukraine today because he wants you to believe that he is a robust, healthy, courageous leader. Never mind, he shot down a hobby club's balloon with two Sidewinder missiles because... He was exposed as a weak leader by a surveillance balloon from China traversing our country and taking photos and whatever other intel it gained from floating over all of our sensitive military installations. No, no, he is a courageous, brave leader because didn't you hear the sirens sounding in Kiev while he was there? Yes, we told the Russians, but nevertheless, he's courageous. Okay. Uh we are also told that Columbus police are a better department now. They're a better department because they got rid of all the old officers who thought the old way and didn't want to be led the new way by the new police chief from Detroit and the new assistant chief from Detroit and the new inspector general from Detroit. Wait a minute. Do you want to be Detroit? Uh, my perception, maybe it's not reality, but my perception has always been that Columbus has been a safer place than Detroit. Uh, I guess I should have looked that up. But... At any rate, they had a plan in Columbus. They were going to get rid of all the old officers, going to give them a big fat retirement buyout. Senior officers got two hundred grand, and shockingly, we showed up with a shortage of officers after we chased all the good ones to the suburbs. So don't worry, Columbus has a lot to offer. I'm, I would agree with that. So we're going to pay new officers, and we're going to go out and we're going to poach existing officers from other departments because, after all, who would want to work for? The Cincinnati Police Department, when they could work for the Columbus Police Department. Who would want to work for eh, Cleveland when you could work for Columbus? Right. So they didn't get as many people in the class as they thought they would. They were hoping to get 50. They got 11. (laughs) I'm just laughing at the ineptitude. They got 11. Okay. And uh, four of them have already washed out. And a fifth, they tried to fire. Columbus Police tried to fire him. And the safety director of the city said no. So let's talk about that officer for a second. A credit to Brittany uh, Bethany Bruner of the Columbus Dispatch for reporting this. Uh, they put him on administrative duty status uh, on February the 9th and that, to fire him. But then the public safety director, Robert Clark, who replaced Ned Pettis, said, no, you can't fire him. Well, first of all, why did they want to fire him? 
Well, um, turns out this guy was not exactly a model citizen at the academy. Um, There were, according to his file, sustained findings related to unprofessional conduct. What kind of unprofessional conduct? Uh, Well, this is a quote. He harassed female recruits through offensive comments and unsolicited touching. Well, I would say if you put me through the Columbus Police Academy and I, for some reason, wanted to uh, cut short my time at the Columbus Police Academy, if I were trying to sabotage my own future at the Columbus Police Academy, I would feel like harassing female recruits and unsolicited touching of them would grease the skids for me to be bounced out of there too sweet. But not this person. Not this person. Uh, the, um, the public safety director said, uh, no, we're going to keep this person. Okay, well, um, I don't understand that. Uh, there's more to report in this regard. But first, uh, Rick at Grove City has a thought on CPD. Uh, Rick, welcome to the Bruce Hooley Show. Oh, hi. Um, my thinking was... Um We don't watch out the same kind of people who did that beating in Memphis mm. on that young man mm. will end up in our cruisers because they recruit and then they're not trained and they come from that culture and we're liable to see that stuff happen here, unfortunately. Yeah, we certainly don't want that. That's why, thank you for the call, Rick. That's why we want mm. officers who do not have any kind of uh, issues on their record that would... Uh, suggest that maybe they would be open to that? What about this officer? Did he have anything like that that would uh, suggest that he would uh, perhaps have a hair-trigger temper or not? Uh, Well, uh, while on the job in Columbus, uh, Commander Tim Myers sent a note to Chief Elaine Bryant that the officer, while he was at Ohio State made, quote, disrespectful. So he's a member of the Ohio State Police Force, and then not not he was not a student there. He was a member of the Ohio State Police Force. CPD offers a better deal, better gig. Hey, I don't have to leave home. I live right here in Columbus. I'll go work for CPD. Okay. So uh, Tim Myers, one of the commanders, sent a note to Chief Elaine Bryant that while this officer was an Ohio State officer, he was found to have made, and I quote, disrespectful, mutinous, and insolent comments during a traffic stop while working for the university. He was given a written reprimand for, get this, untruthfulness after an internal investigation into the matter. So he got smart with somebody that he pulled over for a traffic stop. I don't know if they had their camera running or they had a voice recorder running or maybe he was outed by his own body cam. I don't know. But at any rate, there was an internal investigation, and he did not tell the truth, which is to say he lied, during the internal investigation. Then we had the incidents at the police academy with the touching. No, this was while he was an OSU police recruit. I stand corrected. This was while he was an OSU police recruit. But guess what? They put him through the same academy. The OSU police recruits go to the Columbus Police Academy. So while he was at the Columbus Police Academy, he harassed female recruits through offensive comments and unsolicited touching. 
Why was he not fired? He was not fired, according to the director of public safety, because all this information should have been known when they agreed to take him as a Columbus police officer so they can't afford, uh, can't hold him accountable for it now. That's the logic. And in our litigious society today, it would not surprise me if, in fact, they fired him for all of this and he sued them because they brought him on and then whatever. Now, there's another officer who worked at a private Columbus area university. Fill in the blank. Could be Capital. Could be Ohio Dominican. Could be Otterbein. Could be, you know, any. Who resigned from Columbus Police. So he was one of the 11 who came over. He resigned from Columbus Police after, you'll love this, admitting to being scared while going on calls at the beginning of field training. Now, I don't blame the guy or or girl, but that is a deal breaker. Can't have a police officer who's afraid to go on calls, given the calls that proliferate in Columbus, Ohio. So... Back to our large issue of the day, our disconnect, our chasm between perception and reality. The perception that we were sold after the George Floyd riots in the summer of 2020 was that we have a rogue police department. They are assaulting people who have been peacefully protesting on the streets of Columbus. So the reality that came out of that was, well, we got to get rid of these rogue officers and we got to get a new police chief. And so they did. And the perception after that was going to be, our city's going to be safer. Our cops are going to be nicer. They're going to understand people. The reality is, crime blew up. Murders skyrocketed. Car thefts skyrocketed. The uh, perception coming out of that from the people in charge was, well, we need to get rid of these officers, and we need to go find other officers from other departments. The reality is, there weren't that many officers from other departments who wanted to come. <laughs> and... Uh, The other reality is that the ones who did come aren't really qualified to stay. Now, where do perception and reality meet? Well, they meet right in that vortex where we don't have enough officers and we have way too much crime. So I am sure you have all seen the video of Ohio Senator J.D. Vance taking a stick and scraping the bottom of one of the little tributaries near the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, You saw the oily-like substance rise to the surface, little rainbow, circular rainbow type thing. Uh, Four million people have seen that video by now, uh, including a couple of professors from Ohio colleges, and they are ready to weigh in on what that means. One of them is a gentleman by the name of John Senko, Professor of Geosciences and Biology at the University of Akron. And he says, it looks like what's happening is you've got some stuff on the bottom of the creek. You stir it up a little bit, it starts to come up, and then it's just going to sink again. So that stuff is behaving like I would expect vinyl chloride to behave. Now, if you follow the East Palestine story at all, you know that there were 50 cars that derailed. 11 of them were carrying toxic chemicals. The estimates based upon the capacity of the cars are that a million pounds of toxic chemicals, much of which was vinyl chloride, spilled out of the cars. And so they did a controlled burn because it's highly explosive and all that. And the 
state, the feds, everybody has said, we've tested the water, everything is fine, don't worry about it. But the problem is that residue in the creek, whatever it is, and this gentleman from Akron thinks it's vinyl chloride, well, what becomes of it if it stays in there, and where does it go, and how deep does it go in the ground, and all that? Now let's go to an assistant professor at Kent State University's Earth Sciences Department. The person's name is Kuldeep Singh. And Singh says that the contaminants not only get into the water, they get into decaying sediment-like leaves. You know, we all have leaves, right, in the fall. They go, we pick them all. We try to pick them all up, right? But we don't get them all. They blow here, there, and everywhere. Some of them end up in creek beds, and they go down. Well, those can absorb the chemicals. And what that will do to the groundwater later on is, as Professor Singh says, and I quote, the invisible part of this puzzle. Here's the first assessment I've seen from any academic or any person testing in East Palestine as to how long it will take for these kinds of scenarios that I just outlined to show up in testing a year or two, the professor says, a year or two before groundwater contamination is traceable in local wells due to how slowly these materials make their way in. A year or two. So I have been doing this media thing a long time. I don't want to tell you how long, but it's long. 30 years plus. And I see happening in East Palestine the exact same thing that I have seen happen over and over and over again. It happens in sports. It happens in news. It happens at colleges. It happens in little villages. It happens in big cities. It happens at the national government level. An abysmal, abysmal crisis management operation. Nobody seems to instantly, or even after enough time passes for there to be perspective, nobody gets the depth of a crisis in the immediate aftermath, or even the relative immediate aftermath of a crisis. This situation in East Palestine, in what, three weeks since it's happened? Imagine if Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg had paid a visit to East Palestine right away. I mean, Pete Buttigieg is Mr. Climate, right? He should be there. This is a threat to the climate. It's amazing to me that someone like Pete Buttigieg, who has lied to us about the importance of the climate relative to other more pressing matters, it's amazing to me that he didn't take the W here. If there's ever a news event that plays to the lie that Democrats care about the little man, the forgotten man, as Joe Biden talks about, if there's ever an instance where it would be easier to score political points than to show up in an area where 70% of the people voted for Donald Trump to say, this proves we care about you. We don't care who you voted for. We care about you. These evil, I mean, they want to drive the perception, not the reality, because that would dry up their political donations. They want to drive the reality that they 
are against the big evil corporations. How does it get any bigger and more evil than Norfolk Southern Railroad? They blew a chance to go in there and score easy political points by just showing up. F at crisis management, Pete Buttigieg. The President Joe Biden. Mr. Train Rider. How does he not show up there? Say, this is America. This is where we build it from the middle out and the bottom up or whatever that nonsense is he talks about all the time. These are the hardworking union people. Whiff, whiff, Joe Biden. Don't you have to fly over East Palestine to go on vacation to one of your five beach homes in Delaware? Could you bother yourself? I guess you don't because well, you're coming from Washington, D.C. But still, like, could you detour to East Palestine? Maybe. Even Sherrod Brown, a fraudster who has concocted a two-term Senate career plus out of portraying himself while he is nothing but an Ivy League elite and a rich kid who has circulated in the circles of affluence his entire life. He has concocted his political image as an everyman fighting for the little guy. He let J.D. Vance beat him to East Palestine? What are you doing, Sherrod Brown? Knucklehead. Knucklehead. And Norfolk Southern, I'm not leaving you out of this either. We're not going to leave. That's what the president of the railroad said. We are not going to leave you. We are not going to leave you. We are not going to leave you. Well, it would be easier to sell that, Mr. Railroad President, if you actually showed up at the town hall. See, you have to physically be present to present the danger of actually leaving. When you're not there and say, we're not going to leave you, you say, well, you can't leave us if you're not here. The crisis management of this is incredibly inept. If I'm the president at Norfolk Southern, the day that train runs literally off the rails, I'm setting up a field office in the heart of East Palestine, and we're staffing it 24-7. You want to come in and scream and yell at somebody from Norfolk Southern? Here we are. Come and let us have it. That's how you manage a crisis. You show up, first of all, Joe Biden, Sherrod Brown, Pete Buttigieg, Norfolk Southern, you show up. Instead, who's showing up? Who's showing up? Wednesday, Donald Trump is showing up. People just want to know you care, and the best way to convey you care is to show up. You can figure out all the testing and all that other stuff later. Like, in the beginning, you show up. Why do you go to calling hours? You're not bringing the dead person back. You show up to show you care. Well, they're calling hours in East Palestine. And no Democrats are showing up. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.